Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. Everything Game of Thrones now. We're back for some more of that hot D talk. Uh, Today we're going to be discussing a few new casting notes, um, do a trailer breakdown because they released a teaser in the interim. Uh, We're going to also be talking about some comments made by Miguel Sapochnik about show running versus directing and some some thoughts from Kit Harington on the new show, among other things. Uh, Aaron, what do you want to start with here? Uh, casting notes. I feel like the most exciting thing to me oh, was yeah. the trailer. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. you know, we got a, I got a minute of new House of the Dragon footage. I guess right up front, like any any observations. Like for example, did it feel like Game of Thrones? Uh, yes, I think it mostly did. It felt, you know, for a, well, the trailer doesn't show too many dragons, right? Um, there's like one it says like gods kings and blood or whatever um, and when it says gods it shows a, a silhouette of a dragon so like that's really the only dragon shot you get so it wasn't a super exciting trailer there's one sword fight yeah. I think it's tough to tell from that from that teaser exactly what this is going to feel like but it has a Game of Thrones-esque feel to it I'd say that's the one thing that I feel like maybe the trailer should have done is flex or maybe they just don't, they don't have the effects for it yet, but like yeah. show a dragon or something like sure. the, the dragon thing we got is, is uh, what I'm morally certain is the same giant ass dragon skull. That's been Balerion the black dread yeah. skull since essentially <laughs> season one. So they wheel that out. They throw a couple candles in front of it. Yep. Um, but yeah, very I, cool. I, I was, like, um, I'm not not excited about that. I thought we'd get a little bit of kind of like what we saw in previous Game of Thrones trailers, like a a, a dragon emerging out of the gloom or something mm. at the end of the trailer, just something to show. Now, the thing is, is like we talked about um, Game of Thrones got people in by being a non-magical, essentially ultra plotty and treacherous political machinations set in some vaguely medieval times type of stuff. Sure. Got me um, in that way. And they just slow teased out the magic and the otherworldly stuff. Um, I feel like this has to just have the dragons front and center because mm-hmm. this is an era in which the Targaryens rule the sky with dragons. Yeah. Uh, they're dragon riders. They've got a whole fucking rookery full of them. Yeah, Dragons uh, made us kings, right? Yeah, multiple dragons on Dragonstone, multiple dragons at King's Landing. Um, it's it's not some rumor. It's not they're not these are not chicken sized things perched on uh, some baby queen's shoulder in a distant <laughs> land. We have seven forty seven sized dragons just kind of floating about. Maybe not that big because Balerion at the time of this, uh, I, I think, has been has been dead for uh, for some time. 
which we'll talk about here in a minute. But yeah, I, I did. I did think it felt remarkably Game of Thronesy. Um, I was also pleased. I, I'm assuming this is uh, original uh, Ramon Jawadi uh, mm. uh, orchestration Probably. because. I kind of figured they just lean on some of their earlier, you know, kind of Targaryen themes or, or Game of Thrones themes. And they didn't. This is something decidedly new. Though, though they do a note or two of the Game of Thrones music at the very beginning. Right. It, it changes into something. Yes. Very, very different and new. But like, I, I thought I detected that very first note that they hit in the trailer is like the first note of the Game of Thrones theme song. Maybe. Maybe could, could um, I could be wrong about that. Too. The vast majority of this, like it had, it had like a strong martial kind of like drum beat. Mm-hmm. And it's got this like kind of like undulating choral. And it's also got a good healthy dose of like that bassy, like uh, inception, boom, you know, like, uh, like yeah. a, 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 a bagpipe playing a foghorn or something. I, I'm not sure exactly. What. I, more I really epic, liked it though. More gothic. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Military it gothic. Sure I which is fitting, man, because holy shit, I don't know about you, but the most exciting part for me of this entire trailer is the <laughs> what is the opposite of updated? Uh, the retrofitted Iron Throne. That is fucking mm. metal. I love how that spills down the stairs. Yeah, I, I so as a, you know, uh, some kind of scholar of Game of Thrones canon. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting because I wonder if is this like a Klingon situation where like Klingons in the old series were just essentially actors wearing bronzer with sculpted mm-hmm. uh, eyebrows yep. and then they show up in the motion picture and they got the turtles glued to their foreheads. <laughs> uh-huh. Like what the fuck is this? Well, it's just the way Klingons are now. Um, I wonder if they're retconning that like because like the thing is is um. Martin was always a little disappointed with the show uh, Iron Throne. You know, if you've if yeah. you've seen his preferred illustrations, this monstrous, misshapen, you know, uh, asymmetrical. Just it does look mm. like guys just threw swords on a pile and a dragon breathed on it till they melt together. <laughs> this is kind of halfway between that and yeah. what we had in the show, and it is cool. It is cool. I thought so. Yeah, and, and um, a trailer doesn't have a lot of cool stuff. This was definitely the standout cool thing to me. Yeah, I, I will. Um, I, I let's. I want to talk about some things because there's a lot of stuff in this trailer. Uh, first of all, I was really happy to see them saying 200 years before a Game of Thrones because they've been doing 300, and it's been driving me fucking crazy. Because like <laughs> 300 years is when the, the Targaryens first came and whipped Westeros's ass. The Seven Kingdoms are no more. It's now the one united one. Um, 200 years is not exactly right. It's more like 107, but. But the thing is, is like, I guess I got from this trailer, we had speculated that like there's going to be flashbacks or multiple timelines mm-hmm. because, you know, the, the meat of the Dance of Dragons ends with uh, or begins uh, in much the same way Game of Thrones did with the death of John Aaron. This begins with the death of King Viserys. Right. Um, but we see, you know, um, but they're apparently going to be jumping back and forth in time. And we've seen this with some of the casting news that mm-hmm. you're going to talk about, like the family drama and the balances of power that led to the dance of dragons, you know? Yeah. And very much the same way that like maybe game of Thrones, if they wanted to do the same thing, they would have started with, uh, Robert's rebellion, you Mm -hmm. know? Uh, like why, why did this guy get on the throne? 
how did the Tarkarians get like, well, let's go back 20 years and tell you. It seems like they're going to do something like that. So, yeah, hard uh, question all along has been, will that be a running part of the show or will that be kind of set up at the beginning and then we'll get into the the meatier parts of it? Who knows? Yeah, and it, it also has this really badass uh, voiceover by Damon Targaryen played by Doctor Who, Matt Smith, where he says, you know, dreams uh, did not make us uh, uh, kings, dragons did. And I feel like this mm-hmm. is... That's the statement of this uh, of this trailer that like, you know, we're all about Danny and her dreams and you know, she got ousted as a little girl and she's got the dim memories of the house with the red door and all this stuff. And they were just her dreams of becoming a queen. Well, we're not talking about dreams. We're talking about dragons here. The, 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 the nuclear arsenal of Westeros is fully stocked. And I, I like that. Yeah. Um, that, that, uh, the shrine, the Balerion, the black dread, like we talked about. Um, we also see, I think, uh, this is uh, King Viserys before he's dead, and he's gripping the the ancestral blade of the Targaryens, the Blackfire blade. Um, we get to see a lot of the the main kind of casted players. Um, there's this tourney footage uh, that this seems like a part of the flashback to when King Viserys, I think, is his ascension tournament. Hmm, okay. Um, there's this famous duel between uh, uh, Daemon Targaryen and Sir Criston Cole. Uh, who's the Lord Commander of the King Guard at this time? Where uh, Damon had uh, Dark Sister, the other famous uh, Valerian Steelblade of the Targaryens, and uh, Sir Criston Cole whips his ass, uh, knocks that out of his hand with a Morning Star. So we're going to see <laughs> that piece of history and uh, how eventually, you know, some bad blood there will lead the uh, Sir Cole to essentially switch sides and fight for the 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 opposite side in the Targaryen uh, civil war. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked uh, so we've seen Corlys Valerian, um, the the kind of Han Soloish pirate king, um, uh, naval explorer, commander of the largest fleet in Westeros. We see him and his family, uh, in motion. We've only seen a picture of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, and then also, you know, we saw the uh, the 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 thing that kind of start kicks off the Dance of Dragons, uh, Alicent Hightower. King Viserion's uh, second wife, Viserys's second wife, wearing her famous green dress. Nice. Did you did you notice what she the the the, the dagger she was clutching? No, I didn't. So our buddy Kim Renfro wrote a whole article on this the day the trailer was released, and I had a bookmark because like, oh, I'm gonna have to. Um, but that is the same Valerian steel dagger that almost killed Bran until Cat grabbed onto it. <sighs> Uh, that okay. had this interesting chain of custody. Was it Tyrion's? Was it Littlefinger's? Whose was mm-hmm. it? Littlefinger gives it to Bran. I think in season six or season seven, Bran gives it to Arya, and Arya ends up stabbing the Night King with it. Yeah. Uh, what is the deal with this blade of destiny? Uh, do you think it'll be just a little, little wink, a little wink to long-term Game of Thrones uh, watchers, or do you think there'll actually be something to this kind of, like I said, faded blade? I imagine it's probably more of a wink. I don't know. I don't think we're going to be dealing with any uh, children of the forest magic stuff happening in this, right? I I seriously I doubt it. Don't know. I mean, presumably they're still up there in the north. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I don't expect... <sighs> 
I don't expect this series to deal at all with the others, the White Walkers. Like right. at, at this in, in this point, they are firmly mythical legends. Mm-hmm. Like they're still hundreds of years away from menacing Westeros. It's been thousands of years since they've like. So like I don't, but like I, I wonder if they are going to set up some kind of uh, mystical thing because it's not like there's no mysticism in Game of Thrones. Sure. You know, f- clearly the dragons and all that shit, the pyromancers, uh, all those people are still active. But like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it'll be super consequential, but we'll see. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, it's like it's it's just it's just a dagger. You know, mm-hmm. you got you got you got the uh, Blackfire and Dark Sister right there. Um, so. The day that this trailer was released, you know, I shared it on our bald new Twitter account and I thought, hey, it might be interesting because I don't honestly, I don't know. Like, what is the community's temperature? You know, are people still salty about the last season of Game of Thrones? Uh-huh. Uh, are people are, are is it's been long enough that people are looking to love again? So I asked the Twitter, I said, you know, rank your enthusiasm for the upcoming season, the House of Dragon, the new the pre- prequel series. I said, there's three options. Hell yes, I'm 100% on board. I'm definitely curious. Eh, I might check it out. And then the series is dead to me. Did you care to make any predictions <laughs> about how the bald move community felt about this, uh, the, the series based on this trailer? I, I want to say like, it was a pretty solid like bell curve here. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the, it's mostly distributed around the two middle ones and the outliers are outliers. I would have thought so, too. I wasn't thinking that the, the haters would be the majority. I thought uh-huh. it would be. But I was blown away at how generous the community was because 41% of the community says, hell yes, wow. I'm 100% on board. 36% says, I'm definitely curious. 15% says, eh, I'll check it out. And less or just right at 8% people said the series is dead to me. Damn. So. You get a little distance, get a couple years mm-hmm. away from people's some of some you know favorite television show of all time, and get rid of a couple the of the creators. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, I I think that like Game of Thrones season one through four almost flawless. Season four, five and six still pretty good. Yeah. Seven, the wheels are starting to fall off. Eight, <laughs> in my mind, it like it it did it did real damage to the series. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm I I mean I guess it's good for us that people are uh, oh sure uh, yeah and I, that's how I felt I'm like you know what after I saw that trailer I do want to go and enjoy Game of Thrones again I'm ready to to rinse the bad taste out of my mouth I am too but I'm at like I'm not quite at the hell yeah I think I see I yeah. need to see a really good trailer because this is a I think this is a fine yeah, yeah. mediocre teaser but show me the the full length trailer. I want to see what the show has got up its sleeve and then I might get to hell. Yeah. But right now I'm sitting just under that. See, I'm saying and, and uh, it's funny because uh, just last week, uh, one of the best teaser trailers I've seen in my whole fucking life, like uh, episode one, the very first teaser trailer for episode one, <laughs> Star Wars yeah. right up there. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I was so hyped for that. <laughs> right. The fucking Buzz Lightyear movie. Oh, that trailer dude. was amazing. Yeah. And I feel like if they had put dragons, if they had been like one decent dragon on dragon battle or something, mm-hmm. there's just a little taste because I think we'll get one in the first season. Um, just a little taste. I think we would have had we, we would have had uh, gotten these numbers up. We would have had maybe 50th percentile. Hell yes. But they've yeah. gotten Jim on the hell yes board. I think teaser but, two uh, teaser two. They know what they've got to do. They've got a mission for that one. And it's to get at least a dragon battle in there. Yeah, we got to get it. We got to get a dragon battle. 
Um, where do you want to go now? Do you want to talk about some, some some casting news? Because there's a lot of casting, yeah. but there wasn't a lot of like big names, and a lot mm-hmm. of them weren't even attached to roles. So right, and the roles uh, that we are guessing are just guesses based on set photos and stuff. So yeah, let's let's go right. talk about that. There was one actual official confirmation, um, and we talked about this guy last time we did one of these roundups. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Graham McTavish. He was seen mm. on set last time. We weren't sure who he was going to play because the set photos didn't have much in- indication. Now we got official confirmation. He is playing Sir Harold Westerling, Lord Commander of Viserys' Kingguard, Kingsguard. He's, what, essentially the Barristan Selmy of this kingdom, I guess? Yeah, yeah. The Lord Commander. Before he retired. <laughs> before he quit uh-huh. in Before he was, uh, he was re- forcibly retired, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And in fact, you can see him in one of the shots, I believe, when Alicent Hightower is coming forward with that fated blade. Uh, mm-hmm. He's over her left shoulder, I think. Like, it's just like it's very blurry. Uh, you just see this uh, imposing figure in the white uh, enameled armor. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess get excited about that. And then the other one that is not totally confirmed on the role. Um, we do know that he's been cast. He's been seen on set. It's Ewan Mitchell, um, who apparently had a fairly prominent role in The Last Kingdom on Netflix. Uh, he is most likely, based on the set photo, going to be playing Aemon Targaryen, the middlest son of King Viserys. And they know that because he's on set wearing an eye patch. And there is, I guess, a bit of backstory with this character about having his eye cut with with a dagger. But oh, one of his brothers? I. It sounds treacherous. It sounds he's, horrible. He's missing an eye and he's got this kind of like elaborate socketed uh, uh, ruby or sapphire. And it's I think it's a sapphire. It's a blue sapphire in its place. Nice. He's um, he reminds me a little bit of like Euron Greyjoy. He can so mm-hmm. like uh, his his paramir paramour paramour. The his 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 lover mm-hmm. is described as a witch. Uh, he's got a very uncanny kind of, ex- uh, you know, with that fucking uh, crystal eye. Although I, like you said, he, um, uh, according to the the stories, he did wear an eye patch at the court to not scare women and small children with his otherwise imposing abil- ability. He's kind of like on small and scrawny, but fierce. Gotcha. Like uh, you know, he's got the he's got it's 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 one of those not the size of the dog in a fight, it's the size of the fight in a dog. Mm-hmm. Um. And I can't like they're also like uh, he's very important in what's going to probably be one of the most badass battles duels of all time. But I literally can't say more than that because (laughs) it's going to be a massive spoiler for probably season three, season four, however long this thing's going to go. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's a it's a real thing. It's a real thing as described in uh, Fire and Blood. The uh, Targaryen history, the fake Targaryen history by George Martin. I guess it's the real Targaryen history if he's writing it. It Sure is. Targaryens. Um, and he's a green. He's uh playing for the wrong. I don't know who's. That's the thing. Is like, do you have any idea of like who you're rooting for? No, not yet. Um, are you rooting for the OG Targaryens or you rooting for the jumps, the the upstarts? I mean, I I feel like as someone who's not a huge fan of of patriarchy for patriarchy's sake. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like Rhaenyra's, you know, she got promised this thing. Why, why are we going to take yeah. it away from her? She's the eldest, right? Or no, the thing is, is yeah, yeah, she is uh, the eldest, right? So I re I, I recently reread this stuff because I, I covered this when Fireblood came out, you know, 
previously we just had a few paragraphs and world of ice and fire and some legends from the game of thrones main sequence the song of ice and fire uh we got fire and blood and like suddenly you know dance of dragons comes to life you know you got the a long page narrative of this Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like a real narrative it's like uh if you read a wikipedia article about the civil war you know, that it's kind of like that. That's the level of, of detail you get into. So you don't really get into like the characters and motivations. It's more of like a, an oral uh, oral history where you're going around talking to everybody about it. And there's good different points of view. And no, Maester such and such says this, but Mushroom the Fool says this and right. all that back and forth. But I remember I, I was reading. I was just like, I kept on thinking, who am I rooting for? Because ultimately, I just felt bummed out that it was happening to everybody. Like there was good people with good motivations on both sides. Yeah. And like I found individual people to root for, but yeah. like which side it's, it's a tougher. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if I had to choose, it'd probably be the people who quote unquote, the rightful, you know, were we're supposed to have the rightful passage of power supposed to and, and, and not the <laughs> upstarts. If, if but, those people are shits, I also won't want them ruling. Right. I'd rather than be yeah. passed over. So. Yeah, it's like but the, the I Lannisters. I didn't want to rule Westeros and Game of Thrones because they're shits. Yeah, yeah, but it's like I, I think I like like Prince Rhaenyras, but I didn't like Damon. You know, her husband. It's, it's one of those things. It's like I, I never could find like one faction that I'm like 100 gotcha. percent for uh, or against. But yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be interesting. Um, uh, I can't I can't wait to see how they, they bring him to life. The other one that I saw uh, attached to a name was Rosa Escoda, uh, who has been cast as a young Missaria. Now, Missaria is the uh, I'm not speaking of witches. She's the the mistress of whispers, um, the mysterious uh, personages that's played in the adult form by uh, Sonoya Mizuno. Okay, uh, that's yeah. the the lady from Ex Machina. Uh, she also was fantastic in Devs mm-hmm. a couple years back. Um, so yeah, she starts off. Uh, Remind this is um, you know, there's all these archetypes that like feel like that they come up again and again. Kind of like uh, Amond is a little bit of Euron Greyjoy. This I get big uh, um, M- uh, Melisandre vibes. Yeah, makes you sense. Know, she was kind of like a lowborn dancer pleasure servant that's you know rises up in the ranks because of some arcane mystic ability and you know i i it's it, there's there's a lot of uh a lot of spiritual similarities there i think in these characters any other casting news or no that was all i saw there wasn't a ton of it what did you think of miguel sapochnik so he had was uh the director of some of the best episodes you know standalone episodes of game of thrones you know battle mm-hmm. uh hard home battle of the bastards if you had a big fucking set piece battle that you wanted to get the fanboys and girls whipped up into a frenzy for you send in sapochnik and he would get the goddamn job done yeah. he has been rewarded for that service by being promoted to showrunner he's one of the many executive producer showrunners uh and he has been doing a, a press junket for this new project this post apocalyptic film he's doing called Finch. I don't know anything about that project. Mm-hmm. But uh I saw an interview with him from the uh Hollywood Reporter. Did you did you see that interview? What did you uh, what did you make of it? Uh I I read a bit of it. I read some of the quotes and it sounds like you say blessed by uh getting a promotion. I'm not so sure Rewarded. it's not a curse. <laughs> 
yeah, uh, based yeah. on his thoughts on it. He says he he really enjoys the days where he just gets to be a director. Right. Because, yeah. yeah, there are so many moving parts on this. Uh, I bet it's hard to keep the logistics in, in hand. Reminds me of like, uh, you know, a programmer that gets promoted to middle management. And it's like, I just want to write yeah. code. And now I'm dealing with customers and fucking other programmers. They're the worst. And mm-hmm. Because, yeah, like now, um, you know, he's talking about uh, that, that, yeah, you got to worry about budget and you got to worry about personnel issues and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, (laughs) Shutting down your productions. Right. Right. That just happened Um, recently. Getting into a lot of minutiae, which like I think is probably satisfying when you're actually, you know, deciding looks and feels and stuff like that. But also. To compared to the simplicity, which I think directing is a very complicated job, but he's yes. like, it's simple by comparison to being a producer. Right. Um, he also had some comments on the feel of the show. Um, I thought I'd just read some of this. He says, uh, they say they act about like, they asked him about like, well, how's the look and feel and tone of the show versus game of Thrones? And he says, I think we're very respectful of what the original show is. It wasn't broken. <laughs> Asterix. So we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, so Danny, she couldn't. She, you know, the the, yeah. uh, the she tried to break the wheel. It's still there and intact. They don't have to reinvent <laughs> it. Uh, House of the Dragon has its own tone that will evolve and emerge over the course of the show. But first, it's very important to pay respect and homage to the original series, which is pretty bra- groundbreaking. We're standing on the shoulders of that show. We're only here because of that show. The most important thing for us to do is respect it as much as possible and try to complement rather than reinvent it. I was involved in making the original show, so I feel like that's been useful. Uh, he's not there saying, uh, he says, I'm not there saying, let's change anything. Let's do a different color palette because he likes the color palette. Um, mm. so I think this is a good idea. I think, you know, sticking at first with what's familiar to fans, because apparently based on our Twitter poll, fans don't have such a sour taste in their mouth. That they wouldn't be down for another bite. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, if you do want to do something different, get there eventually. Um, or, you know, the HBO has a lot of other projects in the works around Game of Thrones in this universe. Mm-hmm. If they want to take risks, maybe get your tent pole set up first and build your risks out around that, right? Um, yeah. And with this, play it a little more close to what the audience expects, I think, of a Game of Thrones prequel or sequel. It is. It, it it's it's something. It's not that I'm not worried about this project at all, because uh, I'm excited mm-hmm. for it, but like it reminds me a lot of like uh, the original Star Wars, like and Lucas always says, oh, you know, I've got this trilogy of trilogies and, yeah. you know, real stories about this Darth Vader guy. But, uh, you know, I, uh, and and uh, but he picked them like it's in his mind, seemingly arbitrarily picked the middle trilogy. I don't know whether he just accidentally got the most, you know, uh, exciting things, a version of the story to tell or whether like Star Wars, because like I. I most people don't care much for the prequels. I don't really care much for the sequels either, but like, it feels like they're, they're a little stuck too much. Like in that, like you always have, you know, of course you got the droids. They say the same, but like, you know, Amidala is very much like Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anakin is much like Luke, except for, you know, he fell at the end instead of redeeming himself. And even yeah. they tried to beat Obi-Wan Kenobi into a Han Solo shape in the second movie. Um, sometimes you can get, like, like I, I like this tension that Miguel's talking about here, where it's like, you know, you want to definitely get the fans more of what they want. You, they want to see the cat's paw dagger, and they want to see the Valerian steel, and their dra- 
But also, you can't just be Game of Thrones greatest hits with a different skin because, (laughs) you know, people don't want that. We saw Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, also one of the things about Game of Thrones is distinctive is, yes, you had the human drama, but underneath everything was the pressure cooker of the others. Like, if you don't get your shit together, the others are going to come and kill everyone. What will replace that pressure, if anything? Yeah, no, it's a it's a good question. Um, yeah, because it feels like a trimmed down version. And if you're just going to remix greatest hits in a slimmer version, that feels less interesting. But yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm hopeful because he says like, hey, we want to evolve this, but we're going to start out pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of uh, Kit Harrington? The because he's doing a press junket for the Eternals project. <laughs> Can I? Which just, we're, uh, yeah. We're, which we're gonna we're gonna check that out Thursday night and have a full review on boldmove.com. Uh, if you're only a Game of Thrones and you you don't, it's over on uh, what is that going to be on Bold Move Pulp? Yeah, for sure, Pulp. Uh, but yeah, people, you know, because the trailer dropped and all that, people asked him his opinion on what it's like seeing seeing the next generation of uh, Game of Thrones people. You want to you want to interject something you said? Oh yeah, um, I didn't watch this or look at it or read it or whatever it was, whether it was a video or a quote or whatever in an article, because uh, uh-huh. it might be controversial. But I don't really give a shit what actors who aren't going to be in the show have to say <laughs> about the show. But that's just me. So yeah, it's one thing if like it's the first like let's say like you go back in the time machine and you ask Sean Connery what he feels like to be replaced as James Bond. You know, you had one singular guy and he'd done it for a long time, and now you're past the torch. But like, uh-huh. if there was a like, Jon Snow in this episode in this yeah. series, yeah, yeah, if like this was a sequel that's like forty years in the in the, we got old ass uh, Jon Snow still Lord Commander of whatever the fuck the wall is at this point. Like uh-huh. maybe I would be curious to see what he thought about it, but. But yeah, uh, but uh, what Kit said, he goes, I think to see people, they asked him what that felt like. He goes, I think to see the people in the outfits and the costumes, the ones that resemble the ones we wore for all those years, it's the same music style and tone. It's always going to feel some sort of rawness there, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, okay. like I like he's got there. a lot of nostalgia for the, yeah, he says, of course, I'm going to watch it. And I'm going to support Miguel, who's helming the show. Wish him all the best. But it's so close to my heart, that story that, of course, there might be a bit of pain there. Sure. Do you think he's referring just in the fact that like <laughs> the show was over or the fact that it does feel raw because I don't I don't know whether this was a meta universe or this is a meta story uh, told by the fans and and the, the bitter people in r slash free folk. But it did seem like there was a, a, a kind of sentiment among a lot of the cast that this wasn't exactly the ending that they wanted either. Hmm. You know, you, you can remember the the cast reading between uh Amelia Clark and Kit Harrington mm-hmm. when they both found out and they're both kind of like cringing and like oh my god um yeah 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 uh <laughs> Barristan Sir Barristan hated how he got written out mm-hmm. I think very the guy who played Varys wasn't a big fan a lot a lot a lot of discontent and uh I like I said I'm I saw those videos it was on hbo.com Kit Kit seemed like yeah he wasn't wasn't that into it so maybe that's I, I wonder if that's where some of the rawness is coming from could be uh speaking of rawness we so up until now I feel like that uh, a lot of the material has been pointing to a spring release that was kind of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. traditional release time I think one year 
it came out in July, maybe season five or six, but the majority of the years came out in like, uh, uh, this spring, like a March, late March, early April kind of thing. Um, the last few things up until like a a week or two ago, all of the, uh, articles I was reading, all the videos I was watching referenced that spring start point by notice a couple weeks ago, they started referring to potential summer release. Mm. And I also saw an article that said that the, their, uh, unit that was filming in, uh, Caceres, Cacker, Cacaries. I don't know what the, (laughs) how how to pronounce this Mediterranean place. But there's a unit there that got shut down because of a COVID illness and they had to shut down for like three or four weeks and they just are going to resume, uh, I think this week, November 3rd. I wonder, you know, we, when we just talked to uh, David S. Goyer, who's, you know, had a lot of challenges making a big budget, uh, sci-fi epic, uh, uh, foundation for Apple because of COVID and all the challenges. And it took him like four years to bring this. I wonder if uh, that date is going to be set, like if, if we're going to definitely get it in the summer or if we might still get it in the spring or if, uh, if uh, you know, things get worse around the world, if that thing will keep slipping. Well, I'm, I'm looking here, I'm reading on winteriscoming.net and it appears mm-hmm. it might have been delayed significantly longer because the last line in their article here is delays or not, House of the Dragon is scheduled to premiere on HBO and HBO Max sometime in 20... 20- 20,222 is the year they've got up here. So, so, so we is in the foundation, like, uh, I'll yeah. have to be part of the genetic dynasty of the, the clone emperors to, to partake in this. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Obviously a typo, but uh, yeah, I, hilarious. Um, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it'll probably come out in summer. I think the COVID has done them no favors and it's hard to predict that stuff. Cause you know, how, how do you know if some crew member went out to a bar and ended up with COVID and then brought it back and sure. uh, another three week shutdown, you know, you just never know. So we'll see, we'll see how things uh, play out. Uh, we are going to flip the keys back to the game of Thrones feed back to Maester Anthony, who's going to continue his Bukaloo coverage of uh, uh, the game, the, the original game of Thrones novel. Uh, I'm going to be joining him on this segment or this this section uh, batch. I've got one of the uh, final. Uh, that's I can say that that's not a spoiler for a Game of Thrones feed. One of the final Ned Stark chapters. I'm not sure if it's the final one or if it's like getting there. He's just one of those where he's he's languishing in the dungeon. Or no, may, I think actually I think it's the one where Littlefinger. Yes, yeah, because uh, it's the one where Littlefinger uh, uh, gets him at the end, puts the knife to his throat. Hmm. Said, I told you I shouldn't trust. It's it's that yeah. chapter. Uh, so I'm looking forward to discussing that with my buddy Anthony. Uh, he's got great guests uh, coming up for the next season, uh, and we're excited to get the, that coverage back. Probably get at least one more, maybe two, depending on when yeah. this thing drops. Because uh, that's the thing, Anthony does ten episodes. We do a little uh, catch up for House of Dragon, and we go kind of go back and forth on that. But uh, I am excited. I'm I'm in the mm-hmm. I'm in the the hell yeah. Oh, uh, I want to wow. be excited. I'm 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 going I'm going to uh, I'm going to love again and allow myself to be disappointed. But the more I see this, the more excited I get. Um, and just like yeah, because the other thing is like, even we know we know a lot about, and we also have the ending of all this. This is all <laughs> right. like you know, yeah. this isn't like the original. But what we don't have is. Like, like, I feel like we all if you read Fire and Blood, you all have the 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 famous, the infamous Martin bullet points. Right. But what we don't have is the beat by beat, minute by minute, the mm-hmm. the the personal story, the personal connection, 
everyone's motivations and all that stuff. And that's what I'm looking forward to get in this. You know, we got a we got an ending. Uh, and now it's just about how the characters play and how they deal with it. And then um, telling the so, true story, right? Because if you're talking about Martin having written, you know, maybes and hearsay and stuff true. like that, this There's will a be a definitive, yeah. you can't really do hearsay in video form, right? It's true. So it's true. You're going to, there's, there's definitely going to be, and I, again, there are some jaw dropping set pieces nice. uh, and I'm sure they'll probably invent even more. So we'll be back in, uh, you know, 10 to 10 to 12 weeks to do another. Uh, hopefully we'll have a, another trailer. We'll have some more casting news. Uh, we'll get a release date. It'd be very nice. I would love to be able to start planning my summer vacations, right. and my spring breaks and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> till HBO lets us know we're we're kind of at their mercy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I hope you get uh, enjoyed this uh, this uh, brief catch up podcast for House of the Dragon. Hot D as uh, Jim's christened it. And uh, we'll see you back in a couple months. Actually, I'll see you in a, a couple weeks when I do the uh, the Ned chapter with Anthony. Uh, until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you soon. <laughs>